here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. I was toting my pack along the dusty Winnemucca Road When along came a semi with a high-end canvas-covered load If you're going to Winnemucca Mac with me, you can ride And so I climbed into the cab and then I settled down inside He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand And I said, listen I've traveled every road in this here land I've been everywhere, man I've been everywhere, man Across the deserts, bare man I breathe the mountain air, man I travel, I've had my share, man I've been everywhere I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, Tampa, Panama, Mattawa, La Paloma, Bangor, Baltimore, Salvador, Amarillo, Tocopilla, Barranquilla, and Padilla, I'm a killer. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere. to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today is someone making their second appearance on the podcast. You heard him on the Jeff Jarrett episode last summer. And now he's back for more fun and frolic. It's Garrett Kidney. Garrett, welcome back. Sup? Is that it? Just sup? Mm, I'm trying to be all like cool and like mysterious, you know, just sit back deep in my chair. I actually, I actually went through the effort of sitting back deep in the chair, crossing my arms, and then saying sup. So I, there, was, there was a whole gesture to it. There was, <laughs> there was a theatricality to my my sup. Okay, now are you wearing sunglasses and a backwards baseball cap? Because oh, that that, that, that would up the cool factor exponentially. Hmm. You see, uh, I miss like early two thousands cool because now we're all like cool, trendy. But back then, it was just like some baggy jeans, a backwards hat, and sunglasses, yeah. and like you're a cool guy. Yeah, maybe some chocolate starfish, mm. a little drowning pool, perhaps. Because because that's all you needed back then to be cool, you know. Back when back when. My Way was the greatest song of all time. <laughs> there was no band better than... Limp Biscuit, yes. Limp Biscuit, yes. <laughs> yes, they were 
They were kings, kings of the world at one point. <laughs> I'm beginning to think, though, that they were not the actual favorite band of the WWE, considering they haven't been inducted into the Hall of Fame yet. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems that uh, it seems a Mr. Kid Rock has uh, swooped in and stolen mm. the crown from uh, Fred Durst and company. I still resent Kid Rock because I was at WrestleMania 25. I sat through that concert and I still have bitter feelings about it. <laughs> Well, uh, listen, it's good to have you back on the show. Uh, how are things? You know, I, I know that uh, since the last time you were on the show, you've uh, moved on up in the world because for years you were just the biggest Impact Wrestling fan in the world. And mm-hmm. now, um, what, well, you're still that, but <laughs> now you are actually working for Impact, which is it's pretty cool. Now I get paid to send tweets. I get paid to send tweets about them instead of just doing it manically, obsessively <laughs> in my spare time. Yeah, I mean, I remember when you told people the news, I thought, you know, if there's anyone in the world who deserves to run the social media for Impact Wrestling, it's Garrett Kidney. Because you've basically been doing it for years on your own Twitter with various gifts and reviews and so forth. You just weren't getting paid for it. But now here you are doing what you love. And you're making the big bucks. So so you are truly blessed here, Garrett. Truly blessed. I'm living the life. Hopefully people like... Uh, if you think that the Impact Twitter account has gotten a lot worse in the last two months... <laughs> uh, not me at all. No, I'm not doing anything. I'm not... No. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope people like it. People seem to like it. So thanks. Thumbs up. <laughs> Once I don't suck. That's all, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you need. Just, just one day without that tweet. Yeah. Just, just one day without it. Well, again, it's great to have you back on the show here, Garrett. I love talking wrestling with you so much. It's just so much fun. Uh, Now, keep in mind, no Jeff Jarrett discussion this time around, okay? Keep that in mind. Although it's funny, it's funny, since last summer, Jeff Jarrett has once again been on the brink of doom and somehow, someway has clawed his way back to victory because... We saw him, he was visibly drunk on screen at Triple Mania. He was ousted from Impact yet again. His reputation was at like an all-time low, pretty much. And then, all of a sudden, out of the fucking blue, he's going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Despite, despite extorting Vince McMahon all those years ago, he wins again, Garrett. It's incredible. It's incredible. Jeff Jarrett always wins. It, it, it's amazing. I... My idea, actually, my idea for the Hall of Fame ceremony is to have Vince come out on stage and go, hmm, we're here tonight to induct Jeff Jarrett into the WWE Hall of Fame. You know how Jeff spells his name? J-E-F-F? Well, after tonight, we're going to spell it a different way around here. B, double A, double C, double K, back. And then, you know, Jeff comes out and they hug. Or Jeff comes out and hits him like a tire. Oh, yes. <laughs> I told you not to piss me off. Wow! Bow, now, now. Still salty. That's dubbed on the network. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> damn you, Vince. Damn you. <laughs> pay, pay, actually, uh, actually, it's a, it's a, it's a rip off of a Kid Rock song, isn't it? Oh, yes. Look, look at that. Look at that. They're all gonna be there at the ceremony together. So you know, get, get Vince. Get Kid Rock, get Jeff, do like a little power trio meeting with them. It, 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 it's kismet, Garrett. That's what it is. It, it's kismet. Yeah, and then Kid Rock officially says, you may use the ripoff theme. And then he comes out to the... And everyone's happy. Everyone is happy. 
It's a, a win-win-win for everyone involved, that's for sure. But uh, we're not here to discuss Jeff Jarrett here. Uh, today is episode uh, 29, and we are here to discuss the theme history of another man who has been a longtime staple of Impact Wrestling on more than one occasion. <laughs> it's the World Warrior Low Key, five-time X Division champion, a three-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, inaugural ROH World Champion, former PWG World Champion, about like, I don't know, 800 other titles and accolades to his name. The guy has been there, done that a thousand times over, all around the world. So if you're listening to us, chances are you've seen a low-key match or two over the past, I don't know, 20 years or so. A lot of kicks, a lot of banshee screams, belligerent attitude, bald head, that's low-key. Really one of the pioneers, not not just of the X Division, I think, but of the indie wrestling scene that we have today. Loki is, is one of those guys who helped lay the foundation for modern independent wrestling starting in the early 2000s. You know, he was in that uh, King of the Indies tournament with Brian Danielson and Christopher Daniels back in 01. He was a staple of Ring of Honor during its early years. He may have entered their first show. He was their first champion. His matches, you know, they, they helped set the tone because of how focused they were on athleticism and realism and, and grittiness. You believed that Loki's kicks were real. You believed that he wanted to decimate his opponent. You believed that he was an amazing athlete. And we see that today in so many wrestlers who are either still on that indie scene or are now in WWE or Impact or New Japan or wherever. And they've taken that indie style and taken it to those places. So I have no doubt that Loki has influenced so many guys who are wrestling today, and he's reached that legend status amongst the American indie wrestling scene for good reasons and bad, admittedly. Which we'll get into those, of course. But Garrett, I'll, I'll go to you here. Um, I know that when you were first on the show, uh, you brought up that Best of the X Division Volume Two DVD. Now, was that the first time you ever saw Loki? Uh, if not, what was? And do you remember if there was a specific moment where you were like, okay, this Loki guy is really fucking awesome? I assume I saw a Loki match before that. Probably. like, I, Because TNA would have been on the, the old wrestling channel back in the day. It would have been during the Asylum years. So I assume I would have seen like bits and pieces of Loki through the years. But yeah, I'd imagine that DVD is my first like prolonged exposure to Loki because Loki was like king of the X Division in 2006. Kind of after Styles Daniels Joe happened, it was then kind of Loki, Chris Sabin, Jay Lethal. It was that kind mm-hmm. of era. And that, weirdly, the thing I think about with Loki is like, this is a cool guy. Is the, the little crane kick he does where he grabs his foot and then kicks someone in the back. Yeah. And that's just like, that's a cool thing to do. Look at this guy. He could just kick somebody. But nah, he does a cool thing where he grabs his own foot, then kicks somebody. Then he does a cartwheel into a a freaking spinning kick. Which I was watching wrestling with a non-wrestling fan. We were watching, it was actually during NXT, during the Caval days, which we'll get to. Oh, yes. But... We were, you know, Loki was doing his Loki thing, and then he did the cartwheel kick, and my friend just burst out laughing because, like, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of ridiculous that he does a cartwheel into a kick. The cartwheel is entirely superfluous; it's entirely <laughs> unnecessary. But is it cool? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And like you mentioned, independent wrestling. I don't think the phrase "independent pro wrestler" 
applies to anybody more than it does to Loki. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna bring that up later on. Yeah, that that is a very apt statement for sure. He is his own man. He is an independent man. Regard like you know, if if, if things aren't going so well, he'll just walk. It's yes. just like, all right, I'll go somewhere else, or I'll just disappear for six months, or I'll just do voiceovers. I'll just do the voice of suicide. There's some fun trivia for you. I noticed we don't include the the suicide theme song in our list of themes. Is is this is this open for debate now? Uh, listen, man. All right, decisions had to be made. So don't judge me here, Garrett. I, I will kick you off in an instant, okay? All right, all right. I've already I've already used this appearance on Music of the Mat as leverage to not be kicked out of the, the Voices of Wrestling Slack this week. <laughs> I need this. <laughs> but yeah, Loki, my, my main impression of Loki is he's cool. Uh, all right. <laughs> that's it. All right. That, that, that's it. He's just, he does kicks and he does flips into kicks and then he does more kicks and then people seem like they're in a great deal of pain from his kicks and you can't enjoy that it's wrestling it's the best so when i was growing up my house had comcast for a few years and one of the features of comcast back then was that on their on demand service you could go to the wrestling section of the pay-per-views and watch a free wrestling match every month from WWE or TNA and i think the First or second TNA match I saw on that service, this was like, I think late 04, was Ultimate X2, which was Michael Shane versus Chris Sabin versus Christopher Daniels versus Low Key. So that match was both my first Low Key match and my first Ultimate X match. And being, you know, a young guy back then who had never seen Ultimate X before, I remember just losing my mind over how innovative and crazy it was. At the time, of course, it was. You know, nowadays I've seen like a million of those things. But back then, Ultimate X was so fresh and wild to me. And seeing Low Key for the first time as well, I thought that he looked just so cool and unique. The kicks, the speed, the badass demeanor. I remember the moment that hooked me with Low Key was at one point Christopher Daniels had set up a steel chair underneath the belt in the middle of the ring because Ultimate X, the way it works is that you have these two cables that are crisscrossed above the ring and at the intersection in the middle the X Division belt is hanging off of it and you have to get the belt to win the match but you can't use a ladder so what Daniels had done was he had set up a steel chair underneath the belt so he could jump off it and you know and get the belt that way he takes like a running start and tries to jump off of it, but he, he can't reach it the first time. He tries to do it again, and as he's running off the ropes towards the chair, you see on the opposite side of the ring, low-key run up and do a springboard off the middle rope. So Daniels leaps off the chair, and low-key hits him with a roundhouse kick to the stomach in mid-fucking-air. It, it was fucking nuts. I was like, alright, this low-key guy is awesome. And then, during the same match, he and Daniels were hanging off the cables, and Loki locks in the Dragon Clutch, which is a dragon sleeper with body scissors, while they're hanging off the cables. So Loki left a rather big impression on me at an early age, which is now, geez, like over 13 years ago. So, um, now Garrett, I know you've seen that match, because you've seen everything TNA has ever put out. It would be, it would be remiss negligent even of me to say that match is available on the global wrestling network start your free 30 day trial now 
favorite my favorite thing about that match is the fact that Daniels is just like how can I cheese this? Because before he does, before he like does, does the running start, he starts like jumping, you know, just seeing yes. can he grab it? And then he stands on the chair and tries to jump, can't get it. So he goes for the momentum thing, still can't get it, goes again, and that's when Loki gets him. So there's this big buildup <laughs> of Daniels just being like, ah. And actually before, I'm pretty sure Michael Shane tries to springboard from the ropes and grab it, and then that also fails. I'm not sure, is that that match or the first one? I can't remember. I don't know. But I, I, do, I do love that it's just, it's just like, uh, especially because the match was relatively new then. It was only the second one. And the, in the first match, the belt felt like three times. So Chris Saban had yeah. to hang there for a good 30 seconds at the end trying to pull it because they they duct taped it to the freaking cable so it wouldn't fall, <laughs> uh, which is a great thing about that match. You see Chris Saban, he's tugging and tugging for a good 10 seconds to get that belt down. And he takes the the hardest looking bump. It looked like it sucked. But yeah, Loki Loki is the best. And that was, was that in 2004? It was the start of 2004, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. That match is just a ton of fun. So much fun. And really, with a guy like Low Key, you know, there are plenty of his matches that are tons of fun because he's a great wrestler. And not just in Impact, either. You know, Low Key is like that Johnny Cash song. He's been everywhere. Every promotion you can think of, pretty much, that's been around, like, past 2001, Loki has wrestled there, you know, uh, WWE, TNA, ROH, PWG, New Japan, All Japan, NOAA, AAA, CZW, DGUSA, Evolve, Zero One, AAW, AIW, uh, even Hustle. He's been to Hustle. So Loki has been like around the world and back. And I think why Loki has become such an iconic figure in indie wrestling is because uh, you know, like you said, Garrett, you know, he, he puts the independent and independent wrestler. He doesn't have any blood ties to a promotion. He doesn't feel that overriding sense of loyalty to any company. He follows his own path and his own emotions. He is an independent spirit through and through. Oftentimes, of course, oftentimes to the detriment of his own career and to the chagrin of many promoters and bookers alike, <laughs> but that's who he is. If he doesn't like the way things are going with his own booking, if he wants to do something else and the promoters won't let him, if he just pissed someone off or is pissed off himself, he'll just leave. He'll be gone. And it doesn't matter that he's on WWE TV every week. It doesn't matter that he just wrestled in the Tokyo Dome. It doesn't matter that he's in a hot stable like LAX. He'll just go. You know, he's he's not the kind of guy who swallows his pride easily or goes along to get along. He does what he feels is right by him. And I know he's not the first guy to do this, of course. I mean, there, there are plenty of guys in wrestling that have put their own pride and their own interests above the smarter career choice. You know, look at Cody Rhodes is a great example right now. Look at uh, Austin Aries. Look at Neville. But I think the fact that low-key has been this way for so long and has done it on multiple occasions with different promotions that he's become something of a legend in indie wrestling. Rightfully so. Like, as you said, people kind of vilify him for it at times. You know, the, he's, you know, he's uncooperative and hard to work with, which is probably a little true. But, <laughs> hey, he backs himself. He is who he is. Doesn't take crap. All power to him. You could argue wrestling probably needs a small bit more of that in 2018. Yeah, I'm not saying that Loki is a good guy. 
You know, he can be he can be a prick on many occasions. You know, he's he's knocked out guys in the ring, he's broken noses, he's thrown temper tantrums. He's not the friendliest fry in the happy meal, that's for sure. But I think that people like Loki, who are deeply independent, can be like that. They can be really standoffish. So that's who Loki is, you know? He's not the good guy. He's not the bad guy. He's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. A little a little reference there for you. Yeah. References. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Garrett. Are you ready to delve into the world of Loki themes? Oh, I was, I was born ready. Okay. We are going to start now with the song that he's used the most throughout his career, all throughout the independence and ROH and Japan and many, many places. Off of Mortal Kombat, the album, this is The Immortals with Born in China. Recurring motifs with Loki's theme history. The first one we see here with Born in China, and that is Loki having East Asian sounding music, um, despite not actually being Asian. He's actually Puerto Rican and Italian. Uh, but having said that, though, I do think that there are aspects about Loki that you can look at as originating from East Asian culture. The martial arts moveset, the, 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 the stoic warrior monk persona, the high-pitched Bruce Lee-like screams. Even the name Loki can sound like it's Asian in origin. So if you look at how Loki is presented, and how he acts, and how he wrestles even, it makes sense for him to use this type of song. Uh, look at Muhammad Yone in Noah, who uses Boogie Wonderland by Earthman and Fire. Yone is like the furthest thing from African-American, sure, but He's got the afro, and the dance moves, and the funky spirit, so it makes sense to have Boogie Wonderland as his entrance theme. And, too, I, I mean, it's not like Loki was forced to use this theme. You know, he's been using this song for 20 years, so he himself likely has a deep love and respect for East Asian culture, and he wants to use it in his wrestling career in multiple ways. And he... Trying to figure out how to say this in a way that doesn't sound racist. <laughs> um, when you look at Loki, he's hard to nail down ethnically. I think that's actually anti-racist. I can't see race in Loki. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but you know, you look at Loki, and you know, he he has that East Asian vibe to him. As you said, he's Puerto Rican and Italian. But if if I think if you took a survey and said what ethnicity is Loki, most people would probably say he's Asian of some <laughs> sort. Is that racist, Andrew? I feel like I'm being a little racist. <laughs> I uh, I don't think so. I, I think your heart's in the right place there, Garrett. Yeah. So so he, he does, as, as you said, he, he leans into that feel, that, that East, East Asian 
kind of feel, and a lot of his themes, especially his, his TNA themes, very much follow that motif. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see it again over and over for sure, for sure. But I think this song is also a great fit for Low Key when you look at where the song comes from. The song is for the character of Liu Kang for Mortal Kombat. You know, bored in China, Liu Kang. And like Low Key, Liu Kang is also a martial arts expert. You hear audio samples of him from the game in the music, you know, grunting and hitting moves. There's also an intensity here with this song. And Loki is quite an intense individual, for sure. But there's also, like, a really beautiful, entrancing melody to it. The song begins with that lovely keyboard intro and tone, that boom, 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 that repeats throughout the song, underneath the powerful techno. And watching Loki, there's a beauty to seeing him move around the ring, doing cartwheels and combat rolls in between the sharp kicks and strikes and submission moves. So like Loki, I think Born in China strikes, no pun intended, a balance between intense action and this lovely flowing undercurrent. I actually didn't know, it was, this is a testament to Mortal Kombat music, by the way. I didn't know it was a song from Mortal Kombat, and I just wrote down in my notes, Mortal Kombat vibe. <laughs> it's like, yes, because it's a song from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I nailed it. I'm clearly very, I'm, I've clearly done extensive research. I'm clearly very on top of things. On the nose, Garrett, on the nose. Do Good you think you. this fits Loki? I, I think so, yes, yeah. I think it's too peppy. So here's what I think. I, I think that Loki is supposed to be like this modern-day Shaolin monk warrior, mm. and having the techno and electro bits mixed in with the East Asian genre represents that modernity. So th- that's how I see it anyway. Yeah, but I, I see Loki, Loki as like stoic and angry and and not, not I suppose it like it, it fits his wrestling style because obviously his style is very explosive and dynamic and, mm-hmm. and it kind of works for that as you said the kind of uh, a techno it, it, it's very techno-y but I don't know I, I, it's not intense enough I want more intensity there well get intensity Garrett don't worry don't worry alright just gonna <laughs> <laughs> we'll go now to TNA uh, Loki has spent many years in TNA uh, not in a row, but many years in TNA. <laughs> What's he on? He's on like run number five, whatever. That was his most recent. Uh, one. He just finished number number four, I think. It's hard to nail down because there's times where he left because he's like on tours of Japan and came back. Does that count as leaving? Is kind of coming back? It's at least four. Uh, I think it's any time he's left and come back after like mm. a long period of time. So we'll say four. We'll, we'll say four to be safe. His first singles theme in TNA is, of course, by the one and only Dale Oliver. This is called Omari. Again, we have Loki using a very East Asian sounding song here as his entrance theme. More so than Born in China, I think, because unlike Born in China, Omari doesn't have that techno injection to make it feel all lively and modern. It feels very traditional, you know, it feels very traditional Japanese, obviously because it's using a lot of those traditional instruments. 
Very stereotypical. Sounds kind of like stock Japanese music from some production company. But it also lacks urgency. It lacks that intensity. It lacks that spark that Born in China has, which makes that a fun song. And really, it just doesn't feel like a good low-key song to me, you know? It doesn't feel like a good fit for him. It feels like more of a generic, hey, this guy does martial arts, or hey, this guy is from Japan, rather than a theme that represents low-key and his character and, and fits that well. Which I suppose is why Dale Oliver would use this song again for different wrestlers like uh, Team Japan in the World X Cup or No Limit, which was Naito and Yujiro's old tag team, or even Okada, when he was in TNA for a little bit. So I think, you know, Dale using this song for different Japanese wrestlers, it, it, it backs up my uh, my feelings about this song. I wonder, because we didn't use it for Team Japan in the 2008 World X Cup, and didn't use it for, like, Sonata and the Great Muda. They had their own themes. So I wonder, like... What's the call, Mace? Like, uh, roll out the, the freaking Japanese stock track and let's let's work on this. Let's actually do a theme. <laughs> wonder what, what that conversation is. I think you're like I think it's true of a lot of early TNA themes that they don't they just kind of don't lack urgency, do they? They don't have that that oomph moment that you want out of most theme songs. It's just kind of like passive, born and raised. <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate TNA theme song. But yeah, and like obviously this was in the day like early first six months of TNA where they had about 10 theme songs they spread across the whole roster and didn't really think very hard about them. Like, My World came up and um, I Am came up and uh, AMW got their own theme eventually. Yeah. So, but, but it's just like, maybe they maybe they composed this theme with the intent of reusing it so that it's just like, we, we need something that can fit Loki kind of, but also yeah. maybe fit some other people down the line. Because what, what Monty, Monty Brown's theme was reused for Abyss, and that theme just does not fit Monty Brown. In no, 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 no. <laughs> He's, uh, like, the name of the song is down in the catacombs, <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, yeah, that's, that, that fits Monty. He's yeah. an American football player? Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, hunting in the Serengeti, uh, in the catacombs, because that's where the Serengeti is, you know, right, Garrett? That's, yeah, know, that's... Not, not in Africa, the catacombs of, of wherever. That's how Africa works. <laughs> Who needs maps? Yeah. Do you think that Dale Oliver called this song Omari because he's just a huge fan of Takao Omari? Well, like, Takao Omari showed up in TNA, like, after 10 weeks. Really? He wrestled Ken Shamrock for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Well, how about that? I, I didn't know that. Yeah. So so maybe he's just like, oh, Takao... Oh, yeah, that that's exactly it. He wrote this theme song for Takao Omari and then used it for Loki. That is my conspiracy theory. See, I think that Dale was watching the 96 Royal Rumble match, and he saw Omari come out and was like, I, I, I like this guy, this Omari kid. He's, he's got a bright future ahead of him. You know, maybe one day I write a song for Omari, and it'll be the most stereotypical Japanese song ever, and I'll put his name on it, too. <laughs> and then give it to Loki. <laughs> <laughs> for reasons we'll never understand, and, and remix it. I'm I'm very mad that we because we as we have a giant database of theme songs in on a Dropbox and we don't have this. Yeah, maybe, I know. Maybe. Yeah, anyway. the quality stinks. It, it's off of you too, folks. I'm sorry. Yeah, I tried. I, I'm sure I, it's somewhere. You know, it, it it's somewhere in Dale Oliver's vault. 
somewhere. Yeah. I, I love the idea that Dale Oliver sits there every night just like, I'm going to break out some old school tracks and just listen to them in front of the fireplace with yeah. a glass of wine. <laughs> that, that's what I would do, to be honest. That's what I would do. In fairness, he's, he's written some absolutely wonderful songs. Yes. So he deserves it. Absolutely. So during his first two runs in TNA, Loki was also part of a stable, a stable called Triple X, along with the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and Primetime Elix Skipper. You can find this song on NWA TNA The Music Volume 2. Once again, this is Dale Oliver with Triple X Gonna Give It. Another recurring motif in Loki's theme history is that he has used a few stable themes throughout his career. Because I think that, you know, a lot of people's perceptions about Loki is that he's this, you know, mystic, vagabond warrior who roams the wrestling landscape on his own, no friends, only himself. But really, he's been in quite a few stables as well. Triple X, the Rottweilers, LAX. The Beatdown Clan, which we mentioned on the Samoa Joe episode, uh, Great Bash Heel, and Chaos in New Japan. So he's been on both sides of the spectrum when it comes to being the solo warrior and the stablemate, uh, Garrett. Even Triple X was a sub-stable of Sports Entertainment Extreme on stage. So he was oh, on that's sex right. as well. Yeah, yeah. Another theme I did not put on the list because... I, I just can't deal with the SEX theme right now, Garrett. I mm. I don't have the patience for it, honestly. I was I was watching an old TNA pay per view and there was a Glenn Gilberti against uh, Jorge Estrada. Yeah, uh, Glenn Gilberti Jorge Estrada match, and they had I think it was Mike Sanders on commentary, and Mike Tanay said the line, uh, "Glenn Gilberti, head of talent development at Sex." <laughs> it's just like poor Mike Tanay having to say words like poor that. Mike Tanay. Mm. I want to say, Dale Oliver has been given an unfounded reputation of of making themes that kind of sound like other songs. And frankly, I don't hear it with this song. This is an entirely original song. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. I am at a, a total loss for what this could sound like. <laughs> Even like the, the song is called Triple X Gonna Give It To You or Gonna Give It. It's, that's entirely coincidental. In fact, maybe he wrote this first. How can you prove he didn't? Yeah, you don't know. You don't know. Dale could have written this in like '94 or something. When he was right, yeah. When he was in 1996, when he, he wrote. When that, he was writing Omari, he, he exactly. wrote the Omari. Yes. Like you know, like, uh, I was watching a, a documentary on Chrono Trigger, and uh, when Yasunori Masuda was given the job to compose for that for that uh, game. He wrote the main theme for Chrono Trigger in one sitting. He was like so inspired and fired up that he's going to get to compose <laughs> this game. This this song is uh, Dale Oliver's equivalent. You know, it's just when he's like, I'm going to write wrestle, wrestling themes. This is what came out. And obviously DMX ripped him off. Of course, yes. But this song is also evidence of another motif. And that is Loki having like a hip hop street gangsta theme. Mm. Not that I would describe Triple X as being gangsta's. But certainly this theme 
and the Rottweilers theme and the Beatdown Clan and LAX as well, they all share that common genre. Because, uh, come on folks, this song is a pretty blatant ripoff of X Gon' Give It To You by DMX. Blasphemy. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> now, that song is quite gangsta, and it also uses trumpets in it for the main melody. But here, though, there is just like a cavalcade of trumpets. So many trumpets, so little time. But it's also got like a nice funky bass line and some processed gangsta vocals. You know, X, X, X. Gonna give it to you. And overall, I think a song like this that is so gung-ho and, and bouncy and lively works for Triple X because they are three X Division wrestlers. Their matches are also quite hot-paced and exciting and lively as well. As uh, Chris Daniels, Loki, and Eli Skipper are relatively different different characters, so you kind of get like if you're trying to get something that fits all three of them, you're just going to be like, "Oh, this is just going to be a mess of a theme song." Let's get something that kind of vaguely works for all. Of them. <laughs> Did you I, like when do you think of Triple X? Do you think of Triple X as a trio? Honestly, like, no, no. I, I tend to think of just the, the, the Skipper tag and Daniels tag team, of Daniels yeah. and Skipper. Yeah, because that was when I first started watching TNA. Uh, at that point. Low-key was gone, and Skipper and Daniels were in that feud with AMW. So I don't think of Low-key as being triple X. Well, in a sense I do. In a sense I do. But initially I'll say I think of the duo of Daniels and Skipper first. And they didn't do a ton of work as a trio. Like they had the, I think their most famous trio, trio's matches against the SATs, which is the match where Don West stood up on the table chanting Go Red Go in what is probably <laughs> one of the greatest match- moments in TNA history. Well, he was a fan of him, you know? He was his manager later on, so... It's, it's, that's the kind of long-term storytelling you get from Impact <laughs> Wrestling, my friend. Now, when Triple X reunited in 2007, they used a remix version of Triple X Gonna Give It, so let's hear what that sounds like. describe this as like a darker version of the song if that even makes sense if that's the right word because it's essentially the same song they've cleaned up the sound quality a little bit still like a shitload of trumpets coming out the wazoo uh the notable difference here is that they've added like this snarly grimy guitar to the mix so the song is a little less funky and a bit darker which if you look back on that second run of Triple X, it was kind of a darker version of the group because that was when Daniels grew out the beard and put face paint around his eye and started muttering to himself and looking up to the heavens and basically went a bit nutso. So this reunited Triple X having like a somewhat darker song, it, it works for that era of the group, I think. 
Mm, it reflects the, the growth and maturity of Dramaya. <laughs> <laughs> so the edgier vibe when they're feuding with Team Batman and that that 2007 Triple X run is just kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, they didn't really do much because uh, they reunited at Victory Road 07, wrestled together for a few months, and they just broke up again after that. Pretty much. That's that's their, their 2007 arc. I love the way that they explained around because obviously... Oh. Uh, Daniels and Skipper lost the tag match to to AMW, which means they could never team again. I this. But they're like, yeah, this is great. because Skipper this. was released and re-signed, <laughs> that means the clause in the contract that said they could no longer team had expired, and thus they could team again. Genius, pure. That's just nonsense. Pure genius. <laughs> uh, I I I I prefer the original Triple X theme. I like I like the the funkier vibe. Yeah, it's a lot more fun. I'd say. Uh, better memories, for sure, for sure. Hmm. So, Loki's first TNA run ended in 2004. He was still in Ring of Honor at the time, however. And while he was in Ring of Honor, he joined another stable, the Rottweilers, with Homicide, Ricky Reyes, Rocky Romero, and Julius Smokes as their manager. And while he was in that stable, he used the Rottweilers theme. This is off of Tupac Resurrection. It's an instrumental version of The Realist Killers by Tupac featuring 50 Cent. stable theme here Garrett and another hip-hop gangsta theme as well notice though how it starts off with born in China then bang a gunshot transitions it into the realist killers which I think is a cool audio trick to say that yes this is still low-key this is still the same wrestler as before with the same hard-hitting style there's no change there but he's not the lonesome warrior guy here He's a member of the Rottweilers, and he's going to go into battle representing the Rottweilers. You see, this is I was giving out about Born in China not having the, the intense gritty feel. This has the like this has all it goes all in on intense and gritty, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot less going on here than Triple X gonna give it. Clearly not as funky or energetic mm. as that song, but this song isn't about being funky or energetic or taking the X Division by storm like Triple X was. This song is about menace and danger and intimidation. You've got Homicide, Low Key, the Havana Pitbulls, all in a group who are all very good at conveying those sentiments. You need a song that will get all that across as well. And this song does that, I think, with the simplest of techniques. Uh, that steady percussion beat, that boom, boom, cha, boom, cha, boom, boom, cha, boom, cha the haunting theremin-like melody. Some light, dramatic keyboard strings that... 
and also a random gunshot in there as well. So that's all you need to say that Loki and these guys are foreboding. They're dangerous. They're gangsters. Fuck. And they don't need fancy schmancy production techniques to come off like badasses because they are badasses. The song is also called The Realist Killers. And in my head, yeah, that means like they're they're killers who are real, you know, they're they're straightforward and upfront and you know that kind of real. In my head, I, I read that as the realist killers who, who are like realistic about the degree to which they kill, you know. <laughs> they, they, they they only do it when necessary. Uh, they they don't have remorse or anything because like they're just doing business, you know. They're 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 just not thoughtful about it or more thoughtful about it. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd say more thoughtful. Because, yeah, know, they, they, they plan it out. You know, they, they're not all willy-nilly like so many killers are. They know what to do. Mm. They're real about it. And as I said, anger, grime, and technically gunshots are, are foreshadowing for the LAX theme. So it's, it's long-term storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> Genius. Genius long-term booking. <laughs> Between two different companies. Actually, no, Homicide used the LAX theme in a Ring of Honor, didn't they? So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, LAX were in uh, Ring of Honor as well for a few shows so yeah. homicide used it for both singles and tag team in roh so uh th- there you go so there you go so low-key comes back to tna in 2006 under a new name because from what i understand here i think tna wanted to trademark the name low-key he wouldn't let them so they compromised and he got a new name senshi which is japanese for warrior so his new TNA theme by Dale Oliver is just called Warrior. about you garrett but to me this is the low-key theme yes when, yes yes I'm, I'm, I'm nodding furiously <laughs> when i think of low-key i think of this song because even though it does use a lot of the same elements as omari those traditional east asian elements it doesn't come off to me as generic or lacking intensity it does the opposite actually this song does a good job of recognizing Loki's background and influences in the martial arts world while also generating this aura of intensity and intimidation that Omari doesn't do. And in that way, Garrett, you have a theme here that can stand on its own as a Loki theme. It's it's the Loki. It's not it's not even a Loki theme. It's the Loki theme. Like I was really mad because we were talking about the Beatdown Clan. When he was in the Beatdown Clan, he used the Beatdown Clan theme when he was coming out for for singles matches instead of this. And I was legitimately angry because this theme is so good. As you said, it's it's more it's just more specific than than the the, the Team Japan theme, the Yamori theme. It's just more like like the, there's distinct movements in the song. It conveys the intensity of Loki. You know, the uh, the intro is is memorable and it's distinct. It's not just some generic uh, percussion instrument to, to symbolize Japanese. 
smashy things. What are those called? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I know my musical instruments, but it's just the, the intensity and the determination. It's just Loki. It's Loki all over. It's the perfect theme song for him. Yeah, like Born in China, it's all about the components of the song. You have those traditional East Asian musical aspects to it with the main melody that... And the... Which do sound cool and badass and exotic in their own way. But there's also that that heavy guitar in the mix, you know, that that and the snappy drums as well in the background, which just adds this like edge of danger and this extra level of intense fighting spirit to the song. So again, it's not oh hey look here's the novelty of a Japanese wrestler appearing in America. It's here's a guy who is dangerous. He's skilled in martial arts. He's a badass. So don't fuck with him because he'll fuck you up. And it's a song that I think is timeless too because of how well it fits low key and how clean the production sound is. So it doesn't matter if it's Senshi in 2006 or low key in 2011 with the dual colored spiky tights or low key in 2014 with the full bodysuit or low key in 2017 with the Hitman outfit. This song works for low-key in any era, Garrett. Hmm. And I'm just mad. Anytime he leaves, it means he doesn't use this theme song anymore. And the world is just slightly worse off for it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really like... Uh, as I said, I took notes. I wore one word. It's just best in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's my entire... It's just... It just fits him. It just fits him so well. And, you know, as, as much as... The, the Amori theme didn't, and as much as I have problems with Born in China not really just being a Loki theme, this is, this is, this is the deficient, like if you were to define Loki with music, which is in theory what entrance themes are supposed to do, this does it. Yeah, and when it was first used during the Senshi run, it was really cool to see the purpose and aura of the theme match what was happening in the ring. Because if you go back and watch that that prime Senshi run from like mid to late 06, he really was booked like this unstoppable, dangerous man. TNA really pushed him and his Warrior's Way double stomp as like this really like unbeatable combo in the X Division. They gave him the belt and had him beat Sanjay Dutt and Petey Williams and Jay Lethal uh, before he lost to Chris Saban at Bound for Glory. So it was not like the Omari run where you had this intense killer instinct wrestler wrestling these intense matches, but he's coming out to like Japan's status number seven. Senshi and Warrior were a total match for each other from the get-go. And even the way he comes out to the music, the way he takes like these, these distinct crisp steps that, are, that almost yeah. seem in time, and then he does the low stoop, and he he you know he moves from left to right in, in very distinct movements. It fits like it, he he matches the theme himself, and uh, like I think about when I think about the theme for some reason, my mind goes back to like Destination X 2011. If I were to think this theme, that's where my mind goes for some reason, and I just think of the way he came out like that, and well. Uh, Christy Hemi messes up the entrance music because she doesn't know where he's from. But um, <laughs> this the way the way he moves with the music is really neat. Yeah, it's it's the total package. You know, when you think of the total package of low key, it's this song. 
it's it's that entrance, that vibe, and that 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 way about him. You know that that warrior's way about him, Garrett. Huh? I see what huh? you did there. See what I did there. This is huh? good. Huh? Very good. This is very good. If I weren't like four thousand miles away from you, I'd pat you on the back. Oh come on, stop it! Now. And if I didn't want to deafen the 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 lovely audio listeners, I'd pat the microphone. So, <laughs> so in early two thousand and nine, Loki signs with WWE and goes to FCW, their developmental territory at the time. His new name is originally Kowal, which is Tagalog for soldier. But then they changed it to Kaval with a V. So, um, warrior, soldier, uh, there's a pattern here, Garrett. He's a man who likes to hurt people for fun. Yes, his name is Kaval, and he loves to fight. Oh, oh wait, that's a, di- that's a different guy. That's a different guy. <laughs> that should have been his theme. That would have worked. Yeah, <laughs> from Ireland, Kaval. <laughs> I think, he, as I said, his ethnicity's hard to nail down. He could be Irish. Who knows? Well, there you go. He could be. He could be. <laughs> his theme is by Wesley Design. This is Street Fighter. Not much to say about this one uh, for me. It's very generic and also very different too than what we're used to with Low Key. It's not Mystic Asia or Gangsta Hip Hop or Techno. This is sludgy new metal. Mm. Um, again, not much to it. I will say that the, there is one section, I think it's the turnaround, where it sounds like Sanity's theme that. But that's about it. Do you think calling it Street Fighter? is a reference to his first theme song being a Mortal Kombat theme. I noticed that, yes. Yes, it, it's very funny how he's had one fighting game associated with him throughout his career, and now here's another. Is, uh, who makes Mortal Kombat? Is it Konami? I don't even know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's Capcom makes Street Fighter, but I don't know who makes Mortal Kombat. Anyway, this the first like three or four seconds for some reason remind me of a Taz team. I'm not, I'm not sure was it is it his TNA team or his his WWE theme or the Beat Me If You Can theme. And then the rest of it makes me if you th- if you cast your mind back to old wrestling video games and when I mean old I mean like 2000 you know SmackDown and SmackDown 2. This theme song feels like the backing theme that they play like in pre voice acting video games to heighten the the tension and <laughs> You know, if if you're playing SmackDown 2 and Dean Malenko attacks Scotty Too Hotty backstage and Michael Cole does that shrug thing he does in that game a lot, <laughs> this is the music that plays over that to make like this is uh, important and serious and a, a thing that's happening. Otherwise, I have no other thoughts about this theme music. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's supposed to sound like a song for a tough guy, which, uh, fair enough, it is that aggressive metal sound, but there's, again, really nothing unique about it. Nothing that says low-key. It doesn't do anything different than the countless other metal instrumentals out there. Yeah, this could be this could be anybody's theme song. As you said, there's sanity vibes, and there could be a sanity theme song. 
it could be a Richie Steamboat theme song as I think back to that era of FCW <laughs> or, or Leo Kruger or all those people who were in FCW forever. Lucky Cannon. Yeah. Or, or Abe Washington. Could be an Abe Washington Oh, yeah, theme. AW. Yeah, yeah. Byron Saxton, he was there. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, Mortal Kombat was done by Midway. Oh, yes. Who also did the TNA video game. That's all coming together, oh, isn't it? Oh, look at this. Long-term booking once again. <laughs> there is a weird, weird series of connections to Loki's <laughs> theme songs. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the reason. Because Midway are gone now, obviously. So that's the reason I, can't, I don't think, like, who makes the... Who does make it? It's the same people that make the Injustice games these days, I think. I can't remember the name of the development team. Anyway. It is currently run by, let me look it up here, um, Interactive Entertainment, uh, which is Warner Brothers. So there you go. Ah, uh, yeah, yep, yep. So it's the same people as Injustice. Yep. Cavall debuts on WWE TV during NXT Season 2, back when it was still a competition show. He wins it, beating Alex Riley in the finals, and he goes to SmackDown. His new theme, done by Daniel Holter and Kyle White. It's called Exploding Helmets. another one that takes kind of a left turn from what we're used to with low-key it's less metal more like hard rock mixed in with like this brass arrangement again a bit generic from being honest here although it does remind me of like watching an nfl game and they fade in from commercial break with like this swooping shot across the field the music that they play coming back the break it's that it's that you know, yep, dun, yep. Ba, 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 I know exactly ba, what you mean ba, yeah i was thinking ba, 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 I, was, I was trying to like nail down what you know, that it's that sort of grandiose brass heavy music obviously this song is like more rock oriented but they do share dna i think even the title exploding helmets can't you just like picture like two cgi football helmets like appearing on screen the announcer goes, it's a big game today. It's it's the Oregon Schmageggies versus the New Mexico Hamantaschen. And then the helmets, they collide. <laughs> exactly. Then the helmets, they collide together in this big explosion. So now, Garrett, you are clearly a red, white, and blue, full-blooded American man. So you, you totally get what I'm saying here, right? Yeah, sports. Why is it called football when they use their hands most of the time? Hey, why is it called soccer when they wear shoes? That's true. That, that, oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> God, you got me. <laughs> I'm going to petition that we wear socks. When I, when I was looking at the title, when I thought Exploding Helmets, I'm like, how does that relate to Loki? And I was like, I guess he kicks people's heads off. <laughs> so if people wore helmets and he kicked the helmet, the helmet would explode. <laughs> that, that makes sense, right? Yeah, I suppose. 
Like uh, you're like I was trying to nail down that feel. You're you're exactly right. It's that coming back from break at a sports event theme song. I was thinking like uh, it, it reminded me of like some t- 2005 TNA pay per view themes. That when you think of those themes, you think about like the intro yeah. and you know they're running the that the title graphics. So that's where my mind went. But it's the exact same thing. Yeah, it's it doesn't feel like an entrance theme. It just feels like we're coming back from break. Hi guys. Yeah, this is very much like incidental music mm. for some sports show or whatever. Uh, it's a fine song. No harsh criticisms about it. But again, it could go with anyone. Yep. And, oh, can, do we technically? I wonder, do you ever come out to it? Can we Can we include Lay Cool? <laughs> you know, it's on his Wikipedia page. But again, Garrett, decisions had to be made. You kicked Lay Cool. You're not enough for me. <laughs> we'll save it for the uh, Divas episode. All right. Fair enough. The, the Michelle McCool retrospective, which is one song. <laughs> Welcome to Music of the Mountain, where we talk about one song. Exactly, yep, yep. You know, I, I think low-key having such unmemorable and nothing songs during his run as Caval speaks to how nothing that Caval run was itself. I mean, he was in FTW for a little over a year, wins NXT Season 2, which was really his only accomplishment there, wrestled a bunch of matches on SmackDown, lost most of them, lost Dolph Ziggler at Survivor Series 2010, and then he was gone because he didn't like his direction in WWE. So he, he just left. I think the highlight of that whole run was that time he kicked Dolph Ziggler very hard in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Which Also when he uh, name-dropped TNA in that rap he did on NXT. Oh, you gotta use some total non-stop action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no wonder he didn't last. <laughs> Uh, you know, Garrett, it's a shame that Low Key didn't keep the name Kowal with the W, because then, if he ever ran into Hulk Hogan, Hogan could shout, That's Kowal, brother! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Garrett, I'm sorry. I, I had to get that in there. I'm sorry. Is, this is, these are the reasons you are a national treasure, sir. Oh, stop. The highlight of the Voices of Wrestling Slack is when Andrew Rich suddenly pops up with a wonderfully terrible dad joke <laughs> and everybody's life is made better. Listen, that's what I bring to the table, all right? No no hot takes, no big scoops, just dad jokes and nothing else. It's all you need in Slack. Exactly, yes. So it is time now for the last theme of the episode, Low-key returns to TNA for the, jeez, is it the fourth return? Fifth overall run? Uh, we're going to count. Think? We're going to count. There's the first one. We're, we're, we'll, the original we'll count, run. We'll count all the original of... run. That's, that's one. Yeah. The Senshi run in 06. That's two. Mm-hmm. The 2011 return. That's, that's three. three. The 2014 return. That's four. Four, yeah. And this most recent one, which is the fifth. Yep. So he's been in TNA five times overall. In 2017, Loki joins another stable, LAX, the Latin American Exchange, with Conan, Homicide, Ortiz, Santana, and Diamante. He's only in it for a whopping 20 days. <laughs> yep. Of course, that's in real time. Uh, TV time, he was in it for a bit longer, but 20 days in total for Loki and LAX. Uh, this song is by Dale Oliver, Serge Salinas, and Conan off the album Green, The Music of Impact Wrestling. It's just called LAX. 
Orgullosamente Latino hasta la muerte y después Worldwide Latino Pride The Ambassadors of Violence LAX Chaos The Notorious 187 Here we have Loki really digging into his Latino roots for like the first time I think ever in his theme history. Uh, now this is technically a mashup theme because it's a combination of the first LEX theme, Dogs, by Conan, which is the intro, you know, Orgullosamente Latino, Hasta la Muerte Después, etc, etc. And the second LEX theme, To Live and Die in LAX by Dale Oliver and Serge Linus, which is the rest of the song, you know, El Tiempo is Ahora, The Time is Now, etc, etc. I guess I can see why they did it. They probably wanted to keep using To Live and Die in LAX, but also wanted to acknowledge that first incarnation of the group with Conan. But in that case, why not go back to just using dogs? But I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. But the message is pretty clear. It's pretty obvious that it's about, you know, Latino pride, rising up, revolutions, that whole affair, which goes right along with who LEX are and what they stand for. They also added the, for, for this theme, the, the helicopter intro, which I'm not, I'm not sure does that technically count as part of the theme song, but it is part of their, their entrance, you know, where they do the cameras panning around and the jump cuts yes. and the kind of like, the, the, like a helicopter car chase kind of vibe, I think is what it was what going for. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. Like we talked about Loki heavily leaning into East Asian culture as opposed to like his own Italian and Puerto Rican background. And finally, toward the end of his career, it's like, here's the, 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 the Hispanic influence into in Loki. Finally, we get there. Yeah, yeah. At the, at the very end. <laughs> Are you saying Loki doesn't have 20 more years and four more theme songs in him? <laughs> Listen, I, I'm doubtful. Okay, I'm doubtful. I know He's going to wrestle Matt Riddle at Bloodsport in a few weeks, but I'm a little doubtful, to be honest with you. I, I'd say there's at least at least two more TNA runs. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, is, there is, he has there... like a good like eight months of TNA left in him, for sure. Yeah, there's death taxes and Loki coming and going from TNA are the, the surefire. And, and Jeff Jarrett wins in the end. There's four yes. surefire things in life. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, Loki has like eight months of TNA left in him. Uh, which I'm sure he'll spread out over the course of like seven years or so. <laughs> but here's the thing. Whenever I hear this song or any LEX theme, I turn into the nerdy white kid from that Nation of Domination gif <laughs> where he raises his fist in the air. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> I love LEX and their themes so much. So even though normally I'm the hokey, dad joke telling nerdy white guy every time i hear an lex theme i essentially turn into che guevara <laughs> <laughs> and then the song ends and then i'm back to being just plain old me 
But for those three and a half minutes, I am all about La Revolution. I just love these songs so much. I think this is, if you were to make a list of like the most iconic TNA Impact themes, this definitely makes that list. This is, oh, yes. It it suits LAX's vibe. You know, they're a street gang. The entire Impact Tag Division is built around drugs these days. And <laughs> they're, they're a street gang selling their product on the streets uh, in, in Tijuana or whatever. And this music fits that vibe. It fits that, that theme. It fit Homicide and Hernandez as these kind of rugged, tough, you know, in-your-face... Uh, militants. Militant yeah, militants. Great word. And like Santana Ortiz are the, the perfect people to carry that forward. Like like uh, Santana's is the kind of heavyweight. Ortiz is the, or, or Santana is the cruiserweight. Ortiz is the heavyweight. Uh, even though I think technically Santana is taller, but still, uh, I, I I'm big fans of Santana and Ortiz. Though they're they're great. They're yes. one of the, I think the more underrated teams going right now. And yeah, Loki was he a fit with LAX? Eh, probably debatable. <laughs> but this is a good theme song, so that's all that matters. Yeah, it bridges the gap between the old LEX with Conan, who were militant and, and strongly anti-America, tried to burn the American flag on national TV once. Until which... American hero P.D. Williams stopped it. <laughs> P.D. Williams, that that all-American American, P.D. Williams saving the day. <laughs> and it bridges that LEX with the new LEX, which is about LEX, the group, trying to get ahead and push their brand, I suppose. Selling their drugs in Tijuana. That's... <laughs> it's not even, that's not even a joke, by the way. People are wondering, like, the LAX OBE feud was based around, like, drug smuggling and, like, the tag titles apparently determine how much you can sell your drugs for, which, that's my kind of wrestling story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> apparently, Sammy o- uh, Callahan going up to Conan, stay out of my territory. Yeah, then throws a fireball in his face. That's a thing that actually happened. <laughs> Sammy Walter White Callahan. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's Jeremiah Crane, there's Sammy Callahan, and then there's Sammy Walter White Callahan. You know, I always thought it was funny seeing all the other members of LAX dressing like LAX typically dress, with the bandanas and the t-shirts and the, the baggy pants and such. And there's Loki dressed like Agent 47. <laughs> but uh, again, that's Loki. He does what he wants, yep. even when it's like fashionably contrasting. So he is, yeah, he's not one to think about fashion. He just wants to kick people in the face. That's all he wants. All right, that was our look at the theme history of Loki, a very enigmatic wrestler, a lot of great themes under his belt, and he's still wrestling today. Again, like I said, he's going to wrestle Matt Riddle at Matt Riddle's Bloodsport on Mania Weekend, and who knows, Garrett? Who knows? Maybe we'll see Loki. Walk through the hallowed halls of the impact zone once again. Could be any day now. Could be any moment. He could like that's the best thing about Loki though. Like he could he could show up in NXT in the morning and people would be like they'd be shocked, but it's like, yeah, he won't last there, but it's cool. <laughs> well Garrett, this was so much fun. As always, I love talking to you about wrestling. And I know that you do too, because uh, you know, I'm still in your life and you haven't gotten rid of me yet there, Garrett. Well, I blocked your Skype number. It didn't uh, Oh, hi, Andrew. Oh, what was that? You uh, broke up there for a second. Uh, oh, sorry. Internet connections. They're so bad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Please go ahead and plug your wares uh, here, Garrett. What do you have going on? The floor is yours. You can follow me personally on Twitter at GarrettKidney, G-A-O-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. I spell my name because it has two R's and two T's and it's weird. Uh, you can follow my, my, my follow Impact. I tweet on it. I do all that stuff. Socials. 
uh, Global Wrestling Network, if you want to watch all the matches associated with the TNA theme songs we talked about, the vast majority of them are there at globalwrestlingnetwork.com. That's a cheap plug, but please, it's doing pretty well lately. Uh, it's a good service, lots of matches. Please use it. Uh, thank you. Bye. <laughs> thank you. Um, what else is there? I- Impact on Poppin' Thursdays at 8. There you go. Say, I'm, I'm corporate now. I have to do corporate Yeah, plugs. <laughs> yeah. Corporate kidney. There was corporate cane, and now there's uh, corporate kidney. Um, yeah. I just walk around in a suit and even though I work from home. <laughs> uh, I, I put the suit on for my one my one foot commute from my bed to my desk. <laughs> yeah, that, am I out of plugs? Oh yeah, we're we're probably launching a a podcast around TNA history. Uh soon-ish. Soon-ish. Uh so look out for that. Think I could uh, you know, get in on that by any chance? I, in fairness, I'd love to do a TNA theme song episode with you. So, yes, you're cordially yes. invited. All right. Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, home to a bevy of great podcasts like the VOW flagship, Wrestling Omakase, Burning Spirits, Five Star Match Game, Sarah and Sarah, Brit Rez Roundtable, WrestleNomics, and plenty more. Find them all at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Check out the VOW forums at voicesofwrestling.com slash forum. That's where you'll find the YouTube playlists for each episode. Give us a nice rating and review on iTunes or Google Play. Hit that subscribe button there as well. And, uh, you know, in general, tell your friends about the show. Garrett, again, this was wonderful. You're an absolute delight. Best of luck with your new venture, and I'll definitely have you back on the show again. It's an absolute pleasure. All right. So for Garrett Kidney, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.